Welcome to the Weekend Sherpa podcast, Take It Outside. I'm Brad Day. I'm Holly Kulak. And happy fall. Hopefully your uh, autumn is off to a good start. How is, how is your fall off to? Mine's off good. I'm, I, no complaints. No complaints so far. I've done some nice local outdoor adventures. Yeah. Speaking of, that's what we're going to be discussing. Yeah. Are you on edge at all for these red flag warnings that are coming in? Yeah, I just saw that. Of course I'm yeah. on edge. <laughs> <laughs> I think when you see Diablo wins and then you get those red flag alerts on your phone, it is just, it's always, it's always going to be unsettling. And I know you have your go bag ready to go as far mm-hmm. as like in case you get the the knock on the door or you get the text message that you need to get out of yep. your house as soon as possible you have you have a, a series of go bags if i recall right <laughs> i have a tiered system <laughs> i have like my you're running for your like really you have no time just yeah. grab this and go yeah um so i have that and then i have my like luggage <laughs> like a giant I don't know what you call it, like duffel bag. Uh-huh. Um, and it has the stuff that I don't need and aren't essential, but if I would had be time nice. to pack it, it would be nice to not have to repurchase some of them. A lot of it's outdoor gear because I can get kind of pricey. Oh, yeah. Well, and it's so, so versatile, outdoor gear. You exactly. Can wear, right? Yeah. So I have kind of just some stuff that's like, it, it'd be nice to have this. Yeah. Not a priority, but... Well, we have a great podcast on tap where we get to talk with um, one of our Southern California writers... Brianna Carter, who's been uh, working with us for almost a year now. Yeah, um, I think just a little bit over even. Even a little over a year. Yeah. So we have a great conversation with her about some of the adventures she's been getting up to this summer, um, including doing a portion of the John Muir Trail, which I is, uh, I mean, that's on the bucket list, right? Yeah. And she covered a lot of territory in several days. I know. She but hadn't been backpacking before and she just no. like went for it. Uh-huh. She's a rock <laughs> the star. The your trail. Just she's my going. hero in the outdoors. Like yeah. her, she's just always out there. And um, yeah, it's a great conversation. It's really fun to catch up with her. Yeah, for sure. Um, and in the Bay Area, if uh, you've been looking at our website or email newsletter uh, recently, um, by the way, we have a great email newsletter that goes out every Thursday. If you're not signed up, I encourage you to do that. Uh, for either Northern or Southern California. We'll give you some great ideas on where you can hang out and explore in uh, the outdoors near you. And the latest edition for the Bay Area, we covered some waterside adventures, like hiking by the water and actually getting out on the water, as in kayaking. I know. I'm so, I I think it's a great issue this week. I'm super excited. It's a great way to kick off fall. It's relaxing. And we talked about, there's a drought. We know that. And so it's, you know, but you have to try to appreciate the water. Well, that's why we did this issue kind of, right? It's um, a nice way to appreciate it. And um, that, the Napa River really, I mean, when you talk about rivers that people go out on in, in the North Bay, right? The Russian River tends to be at the very top of that of that list. It's well known. There's great places to rent canoes or kayaks. You get a nice little fun wilderness experience, but it can be really popular. Um, then you kind of flip the script over to uh, Napa County and the Napa River is doesn't has hardly anybody that yeah. explores it. And it is a really beautiful um, stretch. Uh, I think it goes for 50 miles up way up Napa Valley past Calistoga or the headwaters and it drains all the way to San Pablo Bay and the section that went through the town of Napa or that goes through the town of of Napa was kind of derelict for decades right I mean Mm -hmm. that just was not 
was not great. It was really kind of, there was a lot of uh, human interference, I would say, with the, there was an old tannery that used to just pollute the waters, and um, they just didn't let the water, the, even the shoreline of the river, and this is something that we learned on that, on that paddle, is how important the shoreline of rivers can be to not have it just be kind of like a concrete, you know, shoreline, but like, let it have natural like reeds and weeds and places for fish to tuck into and birds to find those fish and all kinds of stuff. So that was, that was cool. I know it, you called it wine country's Amazon. Mm -hmm. I thought that was such a great description and it was, it was a revelation because they used to, remember we were talking to a woman who said she'd grown up there and she said, we used to call it Crapper River. Yeah. And now, I mean, it's had this incredible ecological resurgence and forgot to mention that they did a big, um, like restoration of it back in the, was it the early two thousands? I think it feels like it's maybe 10 or 15 years old, this restoration. I think the bill passed sometime in the 90s, and it finally, uh, they got it restored um, at least over a decade ago. And it's been it's been really cool to see how the Napa River has flourished once again with all the bird life and, uh, you know, the salmon returning and all kinds of stuff. I know. It's really cool. And big shout out to Drew Dixon, who um, set us up. He is with Napa Valley Paddle, and they've been operating since 2012. And they are the outfitter to go with when you want, um, if you're a local, you know, in the in the Bay Area or California, and you kind of consider yourself more of a, a traveler as opposed to a tourist, where you're just like, I just want to hit, you know, greatest hits and like pass by everything and make it real fast. This is just such a different experience um, because he sets you up so well. You can go kayak, tandem, um, stand-up paddle, and then he works with you on the tide. So you can kind of say when you're planning on going, when you'd like to go, right. and he'll get you sorted. And it's so gentle. So if you're not, you know, some people are a little like intimidated, I think, by like kayaking. Mm. Um, it feels like, well, I don't know if I have the strength or they just kind of worry about currents. And yeah. it's the perfect outing for that because it's so relaxed and you don't have to have a lot of experience even if you don't stand up paddleboard right like if you're new to that i think it's actually a good a good place to try it out you could try that too yeah it's pretty mellow at least right now and yeah that's the funny thing about the napa river where you start it um at kennedy park i believe which is you're kind of near the carneros area south of the town of napa and then you paddle north up river into the town of napa and that's where you get some really cool stuff i mean the whole thing is cool but um it is tidal reliant because it's an estuary at that point. So, you know, the, uh, Drew, who runs uh, Napa Valley Paddle, he knows the tides and he'll make sure that he'll set you up to go with the tide so you're not having to paddle as hard for that upstream paddle. And um, you can do it one way where you can just like drop off um, in downtown Napa and catch an Uber back or he has this thing called a Woober where it's like a water taxi that will take you back <laughs> to the start. It's a giant, yeah, it's a water taxi. Yeah. How smart is that? Pretty cool. And I like it because he um, he's local. He grew up. He grew up in oh, yeah. Napa. And so he had all these cool stories. And you can just, I so appreciate when someone has that passion. And then we were able to get all of that from him and then put it into our story, which is totally. you know now on the website. And it was, it's just such a beautiful way to spend the day and you get such a unique perspective and you could see, you know, Mount Veter and Atlas Peak and then all the bird life. Egrets, herons. Egrets, herons. Kingfishers. I liked the section when you went under the bridge. Is it Soskal Bridge? Mm-hmm. And um, you can kind of stop there. Like Stone Brewing is just off to the right. So it's very tempting to be like, this is my departure point. But you can just go maybe an extra mile 
um, around like the bend basically. Yeah. And I loved that section because it felt, I don't know, for some reason I was like, this feels like Kauai or something. Yeah. Napa. It's stunningly beautiful, but it had some palm trees. Yeah, right. Not native, but it was pretty lush. Did you think? Totally. And I remember he was telling us a story that, um, part of Apocalypse Now, Francis Ford Coppola's like epic movie, um, was filmed there because they ran out of they're running out of studio money to film but they still needed to you know to film some scenes and uh they use that as a stand-in for um i guess vietnam yeah part of he, apocalypse they, now. they shot i think he on said the, the last river. part of it on the river and that is so interesting because every time oscar season comes around i always want to do an, an issue on like i know you do that's cool your, settings like, you know oh, and right, i'm yeah. like okay there's only so much mrs doubtfire i can do i yeah. love mrs doubtfire yeah. but like passing by the house just doesn't cut it for like I, I, <laughs> especially if you're pointing out the wrong house yeah <laughs> uh brad's telling the story about the time that i was watching a tour a tour group go by <laughs> The Mrs. Doubtfire House with the tour guide standing in front of the Mrs. Doubtfire House talking about it. And I said to Brad, it's it's not that one. It's, it's the one across the street. <laughs> I don't know why I thought that. Had you always it, thought that? that yeah, it was kind like... of. I thought like I knew the street it was on and I was like, oh, this looks like the house, you yeah. know, and remember? And I was going to jump out of the car. And you're like, like, you should tell the tour group. humiliate yourself. Um, yeah. <laughs> anyway. That's a really cool. I'm like, good to know. Now yeah, I know nice. a paddle that I can do when I want to. For recommend. Apocalypse Now, yeah. right? I don't know. It seems like kind of a interesting. I haven't seen that movie, by the way. Oh, I know. Me neither. It. I think it's a must. I think it's a must. It's kind of like The Shining, right? Which I finally saw last Halloween. Same. I hadn't seen that. I was too scared. I know. It's like so much buildup and hype <laughs> behind some of these classics. I You're know, like, and oh it my was God. so good. It was good. But um, yeah, that's that's such a great paddle and. Ending up at, you know, we, we ended up getting off and we decided we would Uber it back to Kennedy Park because it's such a short or, you know, do a, a ride share. And we went to Stone Brewing because it's right there at, right. Your, at your... San Diego-based brewery, but they have a Napa location right on the Napa River. So yeah. you can just like chill out on the deck. A lot of outdoor seating um, and a whole bunch of good craft beer and food what's and your favorite out. well we knew and a little tip to people like yeah. you can sit out on their patio which is gorgeous and overlooks the river but then you can also kind of ask for the quieter garden oh yeah area. find the garden patio find the That's garden cool. patio it also overlooks the river it's just tucked away with adirondacks mm-hmm. and a couple of chairs so cool get the giant pretzel i thought it was like a small pretzel it was huge mm-hmm. and i got the hard seltzer there you go it's like a white claw but made by a, a craft brewery. <laughs> it's like the white claw but made by a craft brewery. No, it was really good. Yeah. You love the white claw. No, come on, bro. This is not an ad for white claw. We're moving on. They're not paying us for this. No, they're not. They're not. Um so I'm we I see that there are some potential new campgrounds that are going to be put into the state park system. Is that true? Yeah. So, okay. So California is considering 142 new campsites in a fire prone state park. So huh. it's Auburn state recreation area in yeah. drought stricken El Dorado and Placer County. So sure. a lot of locals are very concerned about this. And I guess it's controversial. Now, I don't know where it's at in the debate, but it sounds like, you know, this is what wants the, they want new campsites. Well, California needs new campsites. I was going to ask, why don't you tell us your opinion? Because I was going to ask you. <laughs> it does. I mean, have you ever tried to get a campsite at a state it's park? Very it's very tough. Brutal. 
Like you have to be Johnny on the spot at whenever they release those eight in the morning or something six months in advance. I, I'm not sure what the, the timeline is, but I know when I've tried to get them, it's hard. Like, especially if you want to get a Friday or a Saturday night, it's like good luck. Um, okay. So, but what do you think of this with, so they said a bunch of people have moved there during the pandemic. I don't even know why we say during the pandemic. I feel like the pandemic is still going into up, the foothills. Maybe the, yeah. yeah the, when COVID first was, you know, I don't know on when everybody, yeah, on the scene, there's no nice way of putting it. Um, a lot of people moved out of the cities Yeah. now, if that's permanent, we don't know, but it seems like perhaps So a lot of people moved there. So now, yeah, they're going to add this state, these new campsites. Uh huh. There's not water and people are concerned about fires because it's such a, a fire prone region. Are they afraid that people are going to start fires at I the campsite? I so. I mean, that it seems like a plausible thing to be concerned about. Yeah. I don't know. I think sometimes campers get a bad rap uh, for that. It's, I mean, the people starting the fires in California are a utility company, not campers. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, when was the last time you heard that camper was had started a fire? I mean, it's mm. usually like just some some idiots who are like arsonists or it's our ut- public utility company that is like starting the fires in California. Um, I'm, I think there should be more campgrounds, campsites in California. The outdoors is becoming even more and more popular. Um, whether or not it, you know, it should be in the Auburn state recreation area in the foothills. I don't know. I haven't been there. I mean, if it, if there's cool stuff to do, sure. You know, if they can be responsible with it. Mm-hmm. I'm, yeah. I, I don't know. I wonder if it's just like, it comes back to the infrastructure, right? Where you can have people like, um, you know, manage like managers there who are like permanently in these, you know, state parks who go around and maybe check every night. Cause we were at, I remember being at Muir beach a couple months ago uh-huh. and you can have fires there in the fire pits on the beach. Yeah. And somebody had just like left theirs and you know, it's kind of like, all That's right. faux pas. I, you can't do that. quite a faux pas. Yeah. And now I do think that a ranger comes around and maybe checks it, but maybe it is just about like having somebody there, you know, all the time, basically yeah. during camp season, which I'm, I think is 365. Think yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I'm it not sounds opposed like you're on the to fence. it. You're on I'm the not fence. opposed to it. I just see both sides of the, I of see the both concern. sides of the debate concern. I agree with you. I think more campsites is awesome, uh-huh. um, but I can understand how, I just think that fire season is, is scary to people in a lot of ways. And so you're right. Maybe they can misplace some of that fear, mm-hmm. but I, I empathize with how that can happen. It's not to say that I'm saying no campsites. I'm just, I'm going to, I'm going 50, 50 on this one. 50, 50. I'm not opposed, but I get. Well, how do you concern. feel about pg and I'm not going there. I'm not the people who work <laughs> at pg It's not their fault. I have maybe my beef is with, uh, with this, the top level. Like what about, CEOs yeah. And executives, but yeah. I think it's not fair to beg on the, the people that are going out. I'm and not bagging on the people that I work know, there. I'm, I know. On the the way that company has been running itself for several decades and not upgrading their infrastructure. I agree. And now it's caught up to us. And now to we have the to deal with shareholders. Yeah, and they're putting some marketing spin on when they shut off the power, calling it proactive. It's like, no, dude, you have not been proactive. Let's not call shutting off our power as proactive. You're being very reactive because you've sucked at running your company for several <laughs> decades. <laughs> <laughs> and you've been paying out your your top executives like bonuses. The whole thing's BS. Anyway, mm-hmm. it feels like that's going to take a long time to unwind the uh, neglect that has been 
on our uh, public utility system and getting that upgraded. Well, while, yeah, fair enough. And while we're on that, what do you, are we going to have a government shutdown? I mean, oh, I'm sitting here man. waiting. We're recording this, by the way, on Wednesday, September 29th. Yeah. So. Is it coming in hot? Is it gonna, are, I, uh, getting decided I soon? I think I, I keep looking for probably. updates. And I, I think it's going to get decided. It probably soon. will be. I mean, it feels like, you know, politics these days is just like, oh, if somebody's in position, then we're not going to do anything. So it looks like they're losing and the American people end up losing. And that's what happens when you have a, you know. Uh, a government shutdown and the one thing that people really get pissed off about is like not being able to go to their parks the national parks the national forests you know things that you would want to do this time of year you're not going to be able to do it if the government shuts down right i know i remember missing out on acadia national park last time there was a government shutdown yeah back in 2013 yeah i had gone out i mean i still had a great time but i'd gone out to see fall colors and was going to go to acadia and it was closed it's a yeah it's unfortunate when that happens um well i also want to wish a happy belated birthday to betty reed soskin who recently turned 100 years old. She is a park ranger, and she works at Rosie the Riveter National Historic Park on the San Francisco Bay. She became a park ranger at 85 years old. Whoa. And to this day, she is still a park ranger. Um, I believe she's doing a lot like on Zoom and educational classes, but she turned 100 a few days ago. And Good that for is, Betty. She is remarkable. Her life story is fantastic. Um what a hero and I just think that's so cool and I think when you have that kind of purpose you know you go like you just go 100 yeah. is amazing yeah that's part of the blue zone right having purpose in life and eating a lot of legumes finding your purpose right I'm gonna start sounding like some sort of motivational speaker but tr- truly enough it's kind of true like you can't uh, people can't give that to you you have to find you're right. I think you have to find it. Anyway, happy belated birthday. Happy birthday, Betty. And Brad, congratulations to you. What? You completed a mountain bike race last weekend. Oof, and you did so very hard. well. You placed ninth out of what, 50? 52? 51. 51. <laughs> and there were 200 overall, but in your age category. Yeah. And so tell us about this mountain bike yeah, race. Yeah, well, there's apparently a lot of very fast 40-somethings. <laughs> <laughs> that was, where that, are they getting the time? Where are they get, there's a lot of dudes who are like, still got it <laughs> in that age category, me included probably. Um, yeah, so it was super hard. It's a two and a half hour. Uh, it was 25 miles, like over 4,500 feet of elevation gain. And it was mostly like 95% single track and single track, you know, the trails like two, three feet wide, um, as opposed to like a fire road. So, you know, when you're racing with 200 other people in the race, it becomes kind of a challenge to pass or get past and, uh, you know, and pacing and all that stuff. Just, it, it was super hard. It was a super hard race. So hey, what's the name of the race? Oh, it's called the Lake, Lake Sonoma, um, mountain bike race. I think it's put on by, by a company called Grasshopper grasshopper adventures something like that um and they did a great job i mean putting on a a point to point 25 mile race is no easy feat i mean you gotta like have like signs everywhere for 25 miles um way back there remote you know there's nothing back there like if you got hurt i mean cell phones don't really work i'm sure they had like marshals out there and other racers would help you out but um it was it was super hard i went out very fast (laughs) Oh no! You did a fly and die. Well, I was able to not die. <laughs> no, you're <laughs> still here, thank. I'm thankfully. still here, but I definitely went out. 
hard that it was tough to recover and try to like kind of bring your pace down to a pace that you could sustain for the next two hours. Um, so that was, I was feeling it like an hour into it. I'm like, Oh my God, this is how much longer does this thing go on? Um, but overall I'm, you know, I'm happy I did it, learned a lot, was able to, uh, to ride with a couple of friends who were also Pascal and Ryan, yeah. shout out to them. Shout out to those guys. Um, we had some great beers afterwards at Russian river brewing in Windsor uh and uh it was fun and, and really dirty faces well i went to to see the end i didn't you know start at the beginning but i i drove the distance it took a while even just from yeah sonoma it took over it took an hour and a half or something yeah um and it is remote you're right and i got to the trailhead and um and it was like you know just the single track kind of popped in over like i was envisioning this giant finish line yeah, balloons and, these two, and stuff. Yeah. you know women were there and they were super nice but they're like oh yeah we're just waiting and they said the you know the pros should be coming in quite soon and yeah. you had told me when roughly you estimated being done and you were precise you were exactly when you said um so you said about two and a half hours in and and the pros would come in at two and sure enough they did and but you know i'm still like well i don't want to miss getting photos like just in case the minute i hear like oh here comes some riders i'm standing there yeah, it's, no, it's not, not you but um <laughs> not me sorry but it was an impressive three young men who were phenomenal yeah like 19 18 years old and they're the pros like and they're, they're the pro field was i think like 12 or 13 people who signed up for the pro category um a lot of them were older a lot of them were kind of 20s 30s even 40s um but the oh, guys there was 50 something in there who came in early i don't was he a pro no he wasn't a pro so yeah in the pro category it was oh, like sorry. i think it was like in that age range but right. these pros that won they were like 18 years old 19 years old it's pretty cool um ian lopez de san ramon was the guy that won and that dude is super fast he was terrific and he i heard him talking to his buddies and he had he had a flat he had to change a flat can you believe that on still that won? route and then still won incredible so congratulations that's yeah. uh, that was that's great. Yeah. Now, when you're a pro, what does that mean? Do you get sponsored? I think it's self-designated okay. sometimes. I'm not exactly sure. It's a bit of a loose term. Well, um, he should be sponsored. I, he probably is. He's fast. Yeah. You know, I'm at, I think he's on some development team or something okay. like that. But, okay. uh, you know, it was. it's good to have kind of like an outlet. For me, it's been good to have an outlet over the last year and a half to like something else to focus on that is like healthy for your fitness you can like look forward to like maybe a race but i mean there's also all the anxiety that comes with that crap <laughs> <laughs> you can yeah. get all nervous you can't sleep you're am i overtraining am i undertraining all that stuff anyway it's it was fun to have it was fun to do and i'm glad it's behind me <laughs> yeah and you have so two more coming up but we'll talk about those as they as they go as they happen <laughs> as they happen but um let's have our conversation with our socal writer brianna carter and uh hear about some of the adventures she's been having Cool. Hello, Brianna. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for asking. How are you guys? We're good. Thank you. And it's we're so happy to have you on. Um, you've been a content producer for us for, I think, about a year now. So, yeah, I think so. <laughs> I'm by really quickly. Well, I was uh, thinking about some stuff that I'm going to have you do because I know that you're uh, very, uh, you love peak banging, which we'll get to in a moment. But I wanted to start with, I was thinking about you when they closed the National Forest because I thought, what's Brianna going to do? You're <laughs> always out. I'm like, she's going to go somewhere. What did you end yeah. up doing? So, yeah, like you're right. I was really sad when I heard about the closures. Um, 
I know they were probably necessary just to keep everyone safe, but um, yeah, I was thinking the same thing. What am I going to do? So um, I actually ended up going up to Santa Barbara and doing some beach camping with a friend. Oh. Yeah, so we still got like the outdoors in and we got to camp, um, but we spent it at the beach instead of the forest. <laughs> That's so cool. Where, where did you camp or um, give us some tips? <laughs> yeah. So I was just like Googling what would be a good place to camp. And I have the name here, Carpinteria, Santa Barbara, Santa okay. Miguel. Yeah. So there's a ton of sites out there and they're really close to the beach. And so we spent the day at the beach and then we camped there. There was like a fire pit. So we, um, yeah, we had a fire. It was, it was really nice. And I haven't spent too much time at the beach recently. So it was kind of like killing two birds with one stone or like I was forced to go. Mm. And so it felt, it just really felt really great to be there. Honestly. Is it first come first serve? Um, you have to reserve beforehand oh, yeah but one. yeah I That's was really great. shocked mm -hmm. yeah I was really happy about that I now reserved kind of late but I was able to get a spot how do you like the camping because I know you you get outdoors a ton and yeah. we see all your photos and they look absolutely amazing I'm sure you've had some really spectacular camping trips in the mountains how do you compare it to was this like kind of a car camping situation that you were doing yes. in so how how would you compare and contrast the the wilderness camping to the the car camping yeah well the car camping you can bring as much stuff as you want yeah <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> which is yeah it's a, it's great for like the comfort aspect but um it's sad when you actually you know when you're backpacking you can't bring all your comfort <laughs> with you but so in that aspect i like to pack a lot more um but i think when you're camping in the backcountry you do get better views because you're higher um maybe you're on a peak maybe you're like in a campground surrounded by a ton of trees or by a lake or a river so you just get those better like natural views you don't just see cars everywhere and people and bikes run and people just running around yeah do you bring a pillow when you car camp or do you bring a pillow when you go i i did a backpacking trip a couple of months ago with a friend uh -huh. and he literally brought in a pillow like a back like a pillow from his bed mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, he also, wow. he's also the guy that you see on the trail that's packing like a cast iron skillet like okay. he does not care what the weight is he's not a not an ultralight guy but he brought a pillow but i'm curious is there any like creature comforts when you're car camping they're like oh this is nice but when you're backpacking you're like man i wish i had i wish i had that <laughs> yeah actually when i car camped this last time i brought an entire blow-up mattress <laughs> so <laughs> yeah so i was a lot more comfortable <laughs> and, and yeah a pillow as well when i'm backpacking i do have a pretty good sleeping bag or a sleeping pad that i got yeah. recently for the jmt yeah. so that usually keeps me warm and comfortable but i usually don't bother with a pillow yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just, I like, used to you do a jacket or something like under your um I used to. Like I used to have a pillow and then I would yeah. do the jacket, but it always like I couldn't keep it under my head. I would just end up with my head like nothing under it anyway. So I just yeah. kind of stopped doing that. And I'm still comfortable. I'm not like it's not difficult for me to sleep at all. Oh yeah. The, yeah. the pillow's key for me. I have like a little inflatable pillow that I, I like to bring backpack. Oh really? Like, that's my little luxury backpack. It's like this teeny <laughs> tiny thing and then you blow it up. But um yeah. Well, speaking of the JMT, I know yeah. that you just were on it for how long were you did it? You did 
some sections, which we'll talk about in a second, but you said that like you hadn't done any backpacking and I think you just started like backpacking in what, like five months ago or six yeah. months ago? Yeah. I started backpacking like here and there maybe about five months ago because mm. my friend had an extra permit for the JMT and he invited me because we do mm -hmm. like we do day hikes together and so he invited me to do the JMT and I said well I first I said I'll think about it <laughs> and, and then I said yes because I just wanted to challenge myself in that way um the Ray Lakes I had been hearing a lot about so I wanted to go and actually see those so that I think that was the driving force behind me saying yes because I really wanted to go see the, the Ray Lakes um and so yeah I was doing like just small trips to prepare. I think my first trip was just an overnight backpacking trip one day um, to San Gorgonio, which is one of the peaks down here in SoCal. Okay, isn't it like a super hard one? That was your first time <laughs> yeah. backpacking. That's amazing. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's the um, highest peak in SoCal. So uh, it's, well, no big it's known. Thank you. Yeah, I, I just knew I had to really train because everyone else had been backpacking, so they knew what they were doing. And I really didn't know much besides like what my friends, the advice they were giving me and YouTube videos that I would watch to gain some knowledge. Those are dangerous. You can go down through <laughs> rabbit holes. I know like you really can. <laughs> you really can. I was actually telling Brianna about your buddy who was doing he hasn't done oh, the john yeah. Muir trail remember i was telling mm -hmm. you about him carlo and the way can you explain what he did with his food brad he like crushed <laughs> mac and cheese into oh, yeah. like dust so he wants to do uh what is it fkt right do you know that that acronym the fkt fastest no oh yeah time, right yes. it's like mm -hmm. it's a thing there's like a website <laughs> and you can see all these kind of like crazy times that people have so he wanted to do still wants to do an FKT for the John Muir Trail self-supported, meaning you don't cash your food. Wow. Um, you just bring all your food with you, but he wants to do it like down and back. So kind oh. of doing it, doing it twice, like north to south and then wow. south to north. So, but so like the, he's trying to think about food, obviously. And so he thought, I'll just get mac and cheese, like not, not made yet, but you know, kind of the hard macaroni and like the powdery cheese and i'm just gonna put it in a blender and just blend the hell out of it oh and God. then put it in a ziploc bag and then just add water oh and boom i have mac and cheese and he so he was like giving this a test run on our backpacking trip and honestly it just looked god awful <laughs> it looks so bad and he, but he kept on teasing me he's like you sure you don't want to try something oh, I'm, like, god. I'm, I'm good but uh no food is important i think on mm -hmm. on backpacking trips did you go like like uh backpacker meals like where you boil water did you do something more gourmet or what was your um so i didn't deal? usually I do the backpacker meals, but they're pretty heavy yeah. and I had to fit everything in a bear canister. Oh, so, right. mm -hmm. and we only plan to resupply once. So I had to pack all my food for 10 days. So I just tried to figure out what I could fit in that bear canister. So I did like, um, those instant mashed potatoes and, um, rice sides and like those pasta sides, things like that. 
Mm-hmm. And then for breakfast, I did like granola bars just because I knew I wouldn't want to, yeah, I wouldn't want to like cook something that early in the morning. <laughs> so that was just an easy thing I could coffee? bring for breakfast. I don't have to have coffee. Oh, but, yeah, I don't have to have it. But you. my actually, my hiking partner I was with would make me co- his coffee every morning and give it to me. So oh, like, oh, that's a good hiking partner. <laughs> yeah, that's a great, great hiking partner. <laughs> so you you said ten days, but traditionally, doesn't the JMT is that like a like a three week kind of trip, right? Yeah, traditionally. I think most people probably take around 21 days or so. Mm-hmm. Um, but the group I was going with, we're going to do it in 14 days. They were oh, just going to knock it out in 14 my. days? Yeah, 14 wow. days. So it was pretty quick, I guess. So you would have to think about how you're packing too, right? So what backpack did you ultimately go with? You were telling me you were yeah. like, I think you kept the one, but you were wondering about your backpack. Mm-hmm. So I went with the Osprey um, Xena 85. Okay. Yeah. And it sounds huge, but it fit everything I needed it to fit. <laughs> and I pretty much didn't have that much room left. Um, and also I got, I went with a bigger pack because I bring my camera with me usually. Right. So I knew it would fit my camera. So did you go Yosemite to Whitney or Whitney to Yosemite? Whitney to Yosemite. So oh. we started at Cotton, Cottonwood Campground and went up. Yes. And, and you did that all in 14 days? Yeah, well, I only did about eight of those days, but my group made it. They made it up to Yosemite. Wow. So are you going to go back and do those last few days? That would be nice. I am thinking about it. It would yeah. be nice to complete it for sure. Oh, wow. Well, you mentioned, so I saw one of your posts and it was talking about a pass that you went over. Can you tell us about that? For, is it Forrester For Pass? Oh, Forrester Pass. I thought yeah. your quote was brilliant. It was something like, sometimes you just need a change of altitude. And I read it mm. as attitude. And I was like, oh, oh that's me like for that. sure when I'm climbing. Because I'm always like, <laughs> are we done yet? It's not, is the weather going to get bad? But can you tell us about that pass and like what you were concerned about? Yes. And- um, yeah, well, Forrester Pass was something I have been hearing about the entire like probably a year before I even thought about doing the JMT just like I had friends who had done it and they would always say oh Forrester this and Forrester that so (laughs) so like I knew it was probably going to be a challenge just from what I heard and then I also knew it was like the high point on the trail like besides Whitney it would be the highest point Mm -hmm. and so we were just expecting a really tough time um but you know there was no snow when we did it so but that didn't hold us back and um we started really early because we knew if we were in the sun it would just be so horrible um just the heat from the, i could talk about that later but my i got really bad sunburn actually oh. um, yeah it was really crazy but yeah so um it was long it was um, a long way up the pass but when we finally got up it was just so beautiful uh on both sides you could see like lakes and when we got up there there was no one else there so we had it all to ourselves yeah it was just gorgeous so definitely it was worth it was worth the pain (laughs) oh yeah well your photo looked just incredible but i know how sometimes that'll happen like you'll be hearing about something about a trail you're doing and everybody's talking about this one thing and i tend to like then i'll psych myself out and be like oh Mm -hmm. my gosh and i imagine yeah and i thought it was just wonderful how it was really beautiful and Mm -hmm. and worked out really well that's really cool well i mean most people kind of like when they start off backpacking they kind of like dip into it and you just knocked out like (laughs) over half of the jmt went straight into the deep end (laughs) i guess so yeah i I didn't really think about that (laughs) i guess yeah i was just like i just really wanted to 
test my body, push my body, um, yeah. see more of the Sierras as well, because ah. I do tend to stay local um, in the SoCal ranges, like San Bernardino Mountains or the um, San Gabriel Mountains. Yeah. And I would take like weekend trips up to the Sierra, but I wanted to see more of the backcountry. And I knew like, okay, to see more of the backcountry, I do have to start backpacking. Um, so yeah, it was just a way to see more. And I was Are you like, hooked now? I am actually. <laughs> I needed like a week to rest, but then I was like, okay, when can I get back up there? <laughs> yeah. Did you make it to the Ray Lakes area as well on that? I did. Yeah. I did. It was just so Tell gorgeous. Tell us about it. Yeah. Um, let's see. So I forgot the pass actually that we went over to get there, but we started seeing the lakes about two miles from the pass and mm. they were huge, huge. The entire day we were pretty much hiking past one of the three lakes. And so we were going downhill and you can just see one to the right and one to the left. And it was just completely gorgeous. The what the water was so clear yeah. and just standing there, it was like, probably one of my most my one of my favorite scenes from the jmt for sure yeah, mm-hmm. yeah it sounds magical i mean it's just yeah. when you don't the other thing i've noticed about backpacking is just uh the lack of um of like screen like you're not in front of a computer you're not looking mm-hmm. at your phone that much you don't really have internet reception and you don't even have usually don't have a mirror so you don't even know what you look like right <laughs> yeah so it's that's like, very true <laughs> it's kind of weird when you're coming out of the the trip after you know three four days or a week or whatever it's just mm-hmm. kind of like coming back into normal so did mm-hmm. you find that strange kind of like getting your sea legs again back <laughs> with that stuff <laughs> yeah definitely like just you know getting up and not hiking all day that was a transition yeah. for sure um but I mean, I was happy to be home somewhat, but I did miss the trail a lot. And I wish I could have, you know, finished out with my group. Um, But I knew like I had to leave because I had to get back into work and things like that. So um, it was a a difficult transition, but um, eventually I got back into the hang of things. Yeah, it always seems to be that way, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. so when you're, so let's talk about some of the local hikes. Like you, I think have, I don't even know if there's a peak you haven't done in Southern uh-huh. California, <laughs> but yeah, I know. Yeah, you're prolific. Yeah. You, you hit a lot of peaks. And um, it's just fantastic to see. And I'm wondering like, what, what are a couple of your favorites? Like, mm-hmm. you're just like, I'm going to go, these are my go-tos. I could do them over and over again and just, you know, mm-hmm. love it. Um, one would be Mount Baldy for sure. Um, I've done that one probably the most in SoCal. Um, it's cool because it's the highest peak in Los Angeles County. So it's yeah. like a, a local peak that people pretty much know a lot. Um, but it's a beautiful, beautiful hike. Um, I usually always see run into someone that I know on that hike as well. Really? Yeah, either from Instagram or just like from the hiking community that I know personally. So I always feel at home when I go there for sure. And the last time I did it, I saw a ton of bighorn sheep, what? which was so cool. Oh, that's yeah. Cool. Yeah. I have been they wanting just stare at you like hey. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. They were staring at then uh they just kind of ran away. But we saw a whole family. It was amazing. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. So that's a big hike, right? Like, do you start early or you know, yeah. what do you recommend for that hike? Um, I recommend starting early for sure, especially during these hot summer months. Mm-hmm. I would say starting starting before six <laughs> is ideal. Um, I just, I'm an early riser. So I love starting early and getting the sunrise at a high 
um, elevation and just kind of being down before the heat of the day. So I, I love starting super early for hikes. That's really cool. Mm-hmm. I saw you did Ontario Peak and I'm like, oh, yeah. well, that could be a great weekend show story, but I don't know anything about it. Can you oh. Ontario Peak? Yeah, it's actually pretty close to Baldy. Like when you're on the Baldy Trail, you can see it. Um, so it's in the same vicinity. It's about 14 miles round trip. Um, and it goes through Ice House Canyon. Have you heard of I have heard of that. Yeah. Okay. So it's actually, it starts the same way as Cucamonga Peak starts. Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that one? Okay. Yep. So just so you go about 3.6 miles to the saddle, and then you branch off to go to Ontario. But that's another really pretty hike. And there's a huge like river towards the beginning. So um, when I'm with my hiking partner and his dog, the dog loves to go in and drink and play in the water and everything. It's really Can we cool. talk about this dog? I feel like is this dog's name Luna? Is it Luna? L- Lenya. 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 Yeah, she's she's precious. <laughs> she's a really oh, good dog, wow. honestly. She's a little superstar. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's a <laughs> very strong hiker. <laughs> I guess so. That's really cool. I see. I see Lenya in some photos sometimes. That's awesome. Yeah, she's great. So you obviously have a big passion for the outdoors. And we I mean, it seems like you're out there almost every weekend. And like, I'm just curious, and I'm sure some of our listeners are curious, what ignited that? Like, what, what was, what's the origin story? Like, what, (laughs) when did you get like hooked on it? Was it like somebody introducing you or were you just seeking it out on your own? Like what, Um, what was the hook? Yeah, that's a really good question. Um, So growing up, I always loved like playing outdoors, like riding my bike or playing baseball or whatever it was outdoors. So I was always an outdoorsy person, but when I moved to California, um, where Ohio, okay. So born and raised in Ohio and I was coming to California and we were flying over all these mountains. I'm just like, what are these things? Like I had, (laughs) I had no idea like what a real mountain was. I thought I did, but Uh I had never seen one before. So I'm like, what is this? And then, uh, we landed and I was living in Pasadena at the time and you can see the mountains very clearly yeah. and I would just stare at them like what the heck <laughs> like what is this people really climb these and <laughs> I, I I just couldn't even fathom it in my mind at all and I thought I would be spending like all my weekends at the beach but I was just captivated by the mountains so um I got one of my friends to take me on a hike we did Runyon Canyon which is a it's a shorter hike and popular one right that's yeah. why the celebrities like to go exactly to see and be seen. <laughs> did you exactly. see a celebrity did you see a celebrity um i didn't that time that's funny i do look out for them though when i oh go yeah there. you do <laughs> who doesn't <laughs> but yeah i did run in and i just i love the activity of like climbing and you know going down just the beautiful scenery and just like seeing more of LA that way. And then eventually my friend, I was like, okay, I want to start doing like these bigger peaks and like seeing more. And um, so I started joining meetup groups and that's how I learned. Yeah. That's how I learned about most of the peaks and the trails around here. Um, And that's kind of just, it got me hooked every week. I would just set aside time to go hike because that's what I wanted to do. It's for the mountains. Are you still with those meetup groups or are you just doing it now independently or with your hiking partner? Yeah, I usually just do it independently with my hiking partner, but 
I have a couple really good friends that I met in the meetup groups and we still hike. So we plan to go to the, like the Sierras or we hike down here as well. Okay. You were in Tahoe recently. Was this with the, oh, some yeah. of your hiking group friends? You went. To yeah. So one of my friends, Jenny, I met through the meetup groups. Um, and then Mike and his dog, I met just through Instagram actually. And his friend Loa came down from Utah. So we did, um, a loop around desolation wilderness mm. and it was beautiful i mean there there was smoke of course but it was still insanely gorgeous yeah That's one of my favorite hikes i think for sure and you mentioned in i think one of your um instagram posts uh that you were out you said you said something about being it's good to put yourself outside your comfort zone i think it was for that trip what mm-hmm. do you mean by that um I think just with backpacking in general, I had a lot of reservations, uh-huh. um, just carrying so much uh, on my back, um, not being able to shower every day. <laughs> that was like my biggest thing too. I'm just like, how how do people do this? I just don't, <laughs> I don't clean themselves every day. I don't know. It was just- I was Y'all thinking, cancel each okay, other here, out. I'm hearing you in the same way. Okay. <laughs> really? <laughs> okay. So yeah, I think in that in that regard, like- um, hiking every day, not having that comfort of a shower at the end of the day, um, just always being on the go in the wilderness completely. I can't have the comfort of like calling someone that I want to talk to or texting them. Um, that I think that's what I was referring to, just getting away from all those comforts and really pushing myself to see if I could do it and experiencing the outdoors that way. Because I think I said it before, but there's a lot that you need to be like really in the back country to see. And I think it's completely worth it to cut off those comforts to experience that. Ah, uh, that's really wonderful. No, I understand. And I relate a lot because, yeah. you know, and, and Brad will attest to this, you know, uh, when we don't have cell phone access, I am, it takes me some time to adjust to that. And it sounds terrible to say that because like, well, what do you need that for? And it's usually about my bulldog Hank. I'm wondering how yeah. he's doing. And so, you know, Brad's been there with me when we're at like the top of a mountain peak and I'll pull out my phone just to see if I can get an update Ooh. from Aww. our pet sitter. <laughs> mm-hmm. But it is, it's very good, like ultimately to be able to do that. And did you, so for the, and I know for the shower thing, see the trouble I have is people will just jump into lakes, which I think is great oh. for some reason. I'm not great in cold lakes. I just can't do it. So did you get into a lake? Yes, I did. Um, during, I think I did during Desolation Wilderness, but as well on the JMT every day, my hiking partner was just like, okay, it's time to get in <laughs> like every night. And so we, I just had to like jump in and just deal with the shock. And eventually I got used to it and it didn't, it wasn't as much of a shock anymore. But um, yeah, I, I felt, I found comfort in that because in some way I could kind of like just scrub off this, you know, sweat and all that from the day and kind of go to bed feeling a little more fresh than I would otherwise. (laughs) (laughs) Now, as far as like the hiking um, and and getting outdoors, do you find like, if you were to try to analyze it a little bit, like, do you, do you enjoy the, the physical exertion of it? Like kind of the fitness aspect of it, or do you enjoy kind of like the mental clarity that it provides all of the above? Like, what is it that kind of like stands out for you personally um when you've done an amazing day hike or backpacking trip Mm, good question um i would definitely say all of the above 
Um, I've always loved pushing myself. I've always been very active. So when you're going up to a peak, it really, you know, you're pushing yourself, you're climbing, you know, you get, you get tired, but you want to keep pushing yourself mm. to reach it, to reach that, attain that goal. And I think when I'm hiking, I don't necessarily think about my problems, but I think just the physical exertion really helps me to, I guess, find solutions that I wasn't trying to find at the time. Mm. Um, it's, it's really interesting because like, like I said, I'm not like focused on my problems when I'm hiking, but I feel yeah. like I find clarity basically mm -hmm. when I get to the peak and then when I get down, I just, I have a more clear mind. And so that mental health aspect, I think is directly related to the physical aspect. Yeah. We were just at our previous podcast episode. We were talking with uh, Dr. Sean Amagazi about prescribing getting outdoors as part of kind of like being um, part of medicine, really, um, rather than a pill. Like, you know, if, if yeah, somebody's wow. um, suffering from depression or anxiety or a whole range of things, um, and I'm not saying you are, I'm just saying mm -hmm. kind of just as approaching patients more holistically from his perspective um, is, was really interesting. And it, you know, kind of got us thinking about what are the, some of the benefits of getting outdoors and hiking. And there's just so, so many of them. I mean, even one of them is just that kind of that goosebumps feeling that you get when you're seeing something for the first time that kind of leaves you in awe. Yeah. Right. Like that yeah. is like very, you almost crave that, Mm -hmm. that feeling again, especially if you're sharing it with somebody else, like with your mm -hmm. hiking group or a spouse or something like that. It's just, uh, it's really, Definitely. there's so many different aspects. And he had a similar answer. Cause we asked, you asked that question for him. And so we asked him that mm -hmm. and it was a great question about like the sort of the holistic approach mm -hmm. when you go outdoors is both physically and also just mentally and emotionally so good for you, you know, yeah. and having that break. Cause a lot of the time I know for myself, I'll think I have too much to do and I can't go, you know, I can't go on this five mile hike or, right. or whatever it is or bike ride. And then I'm never I'm never regretful that I did it, you know, just for the reasons that you're saying, I like to have the physical activity and then it's a time for me to think and decompress and, um, you know, it's just, it's so good for you. And it, and I'm never like, I wish I would have stayed back and stayed at my computer, you know, continuing to stress myself out over something that's not that important. Ultimately, it's like when you wake up at 3am in a panic and then you don't sleep and then maybe you get a little sleep and wake up and you're like, okay, it wasn't, it's worse at 3am than it is <laughs> during the day. Definitely. Um, but I wanted to talk to you about, you know, Instagram and, and your posts, because I think that your posts are, you know, really inspirational and very positive. And, you know, Instagram is such an interesting medium because there can be this sort of the posting of like, you know, holding the hat, staring out at the mountains or whatever. And, and that's all great. One up it, you know, then there's the storytelling and the um, positivity that you exude and the strength and the spirit. And I really, um, I get the sense when I see your posts, I'm always happy to see them because well, either really beautiful um, and you always have a beautiful quote or something very um, educational and sort of compelling. And I just wanted to thank you for that, I guess. I mean, I don't really know what I want you know you to say about that, but it feels like the outdoors is your cathedral and very spiritual. 
and it really resonates. And I think that's important for people to be able to follow. And well, of course, I think, you know, people should follow you. And by the way, her, if you want to follow Brianna, her Instagram handle is mountains with an S quake at <laughs> I was going to say uh, on Instagram. No, no, there's no dot com there, Brad. I don't know Instagram that much, Brianna. <laughs> Big surprise. That's funny. No, but very, like, as Holly was saying, super inspirational um, posts. And you're, it, yeah, we love following you on that. And of course, having you part of the Weekend Sherpa team. So what is, what is next for, for you? What's, what's on the agenda? I know we're kind of like winding up summer and fall mm-hmm. is coming in, coming in hot. Yeah, you're right. Well, thank you so much for saying that, first of all. But um, I have a couple of hikes planned with some friends. I want to go do White Mountain. Have you guys heard of that one? Is that in the Eastern Sierra? Or kind yes, of like, yeah. Exactly. So it's up there. So White Mountain is one I haven't done yet. I think it's it's one of the t- highest, though, in the Sierra. So I'm excited yeah. to go do that. And then also, so during the fall and winter, I just like to do the hot springs a lot. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah, I love hot springs. So I'm hoping oh. to um, spend some time at the hot springs. Over in the Eastern Sierra? Yes, exactly. Mammoth area. The Mammoth oh, area. They have a lot are of you, nice are, hot you, are they secret? Will you share with uh, our listeners where you like to go? Or- yeah. We got to blow oh. this up. <laughs> Actually, I'll, I'd have to uh, find the names of them because uh-huh. I carpooled with my friend. <laughs> no, I did. I, uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I okay. Yeah. Yeah, I'll text you where it was. Right. Sure. I don't quite remember it. This, that's good. Very good. Well done. Well done. Oh, my God. Oh. Well, it's, and oh, and one more thing. So are you still part of Solomon's squad? And can you oh. tell us a bit about what that is? Yeah, so I am still a part of Solomon Squad. Um, basically, I they reached out to me to apply for their like ambassador positions. Wonderful, and awesome. So yeah, so I applied and it was actually a great fit. So I was ha- really happy when I got the opportunity because I had been wearing Solomon shoes exclusively for like a year and a half before that, and it just was a great fit because I didn't have to like lie about liking the shoes or even like (laughs) try them out. Like I knew I liked Solomon. Like I love those shoes. So um, it's really cool. So they um, send me shoes to promote or to give reviews on Um, during COVID. They didn't have any events just to stay safe, but they um, apparently in the past they've held events for the ambassadors and like get togethers, gatherings and, excursions even so i'm hoping that they'll bring that back once things are uh, once we're able to do it safely oh i'm sure they will well i call you the solomon superstar (laughs) and it's just been so delightful to speak with you and we must do it again and hopefully we'll be uh we'll you know be able to all get together as well and yeah do that for a for reno nevada but i i I know we're gonna get one put together Okay, that'd be so great. And it's so good to put a face to you guys as well. Yeah, it's yeah. really nice. Yeah, thank thanks a lot, so Brianna. Much, Brianna. You're a rock star. Oh, thank you. It was so good to talk with you. 